All right, Don, I'm ready. You want me to take the opening, huh? Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show and the Phil Harris Show. And welcome to 2018. Happy New Year to you. Uh, we have a New Year's episode of the Jack Benny Show, one of his absolute best New Year's shows. This has the skit New Tenant, and this particular uh, presentation of New Tenant has Alice Faye stepping in for Mary. And so it's our only time in New Tenant that we get to have Alice Faye. We also have Frank Nelson stopping by during the New Tenant skit, as well as Dennis doing, I think, more voices than he's ever done before for the New Tenant skit. And of course, Phil Harris is here as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy that skit. Then after that, we have Mr. Fitch comes to dinner over on the Alice Faye and Phil Harris show from the same day as the Jack Benny show is from, uh, which is 12-28-1947. Then we jump backwards to 1938 to get Jack's first show of the new year. Jack's uh, show is called Leaving for San Francisco next week, and it is with, the, I think it's the fourth appearance by Rochester that still survives, or we've, we're missing a couple. Uh, anyway, so that should be really enjoyable as well, and it's from January 2nd, 1938. So I hope you're going to enjoy all three episodes, and we will see you next time. And have a happy new year. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Quality of product is essential to continuing success. An outstanding example, Lucky Strike. In a cigarette, it's the tobacco that counts. And first, last, always. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. At American. Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows, the tobacco auctioneer. Mr. William Whitley of Henderson, North Carolina, has sold over 500 million pounds of tobacco leaf basket by basket. Recently, he said... Season after season, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy fine ripe tobacco, fragrant tobacco that makes a fine smoke. I've smoked Luckies myself for 13 years. At auction after auction, independent tobacco experts like Mr. Whitley can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. Remember, LSMFT, LSMFT. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And fine tobacco means real, deep-down smoking enjoyment for you. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco... Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and 
and gentlemen, let's go back about an hour to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills, where Jack has just finished having his lunch. Ah, it was a very good lunch, Rochester. The best hash that I, I've ever tasted. I made it from last night's leftovers. Uh, what did we have last night? Hash. <laughs> Well, I got to rush over for my broadcast, so let's get these dishes washed. I'll do them. No, no, Rochester, I'll do them. I want to try out that new electric dishwasher I got for Christmas. But, boss, there's something wrong with it. Oh, nonsense. You probably don't know how to operate it. I'll show you how. Now, you put the dirty dishes in like this. And close the door. Now, you turn on the switch. There, that ought to be enough. And now, to take out the dishes, and you open the door like this. I told you, boss, there's something wrong with it. Well, there shouldn't be. It's a new machine. I'm going to try it again. Get some more dishes out of the cupboard. But, boss... Open the cupboard. Okay. What was that? The dishes I washed yesterday. I can't understand what's wrong. Neither can I. I put it together the same day that I assembled the other kitchen appliances. I don't see why it should break the dishes. It looks all right from the outside. Let's take a look on the inside. Oh, for heaven's sake. Rochester, the egg beater belongs on the mix master. <laughs> not, in the, not in the dishwasher. Then I must have put the part from the dishwasher on the mix master. Why? This morning I tried to make a cake. When I turned on the switch, a big arm came out, grabbed me by the back of the neck, threw me in the bowl, and scrubbed me on both sides. <laughs> what? And before I knew it, I was sitting in the cupboard on the third shelf. <laughs> See, they even put them away for you. Well, Rochester, uh, call the appliance company and tell them to come out and fix the machine. I got to get down to the studio. But, boss, you can't go in those old clothes and you need a shave, too. I haven't got time now. I'll clean up at the studio. Now, go out in the garage and get the car, please. The car ain't running. Rochester, did you wreck the car? Well, boss, it wasn't my fault. What happened? Well, I took the car out for a while last night, and on my way home, I made a sharp turn and came face to face with a steamroller. Steamroller? Oh, so that's why you were so quiet when you got home last night. I didn't even hear you open the garage. I didn't have to. I slid the car under the door. <laughs> Rochester, you mean my car was flattened that thin? If I had a stamp, I could have mailed it to you. <laughs> Oh, well, you better get it fixed. Anyway, I'll take the bus down to the studio. So long, Rochester. So long, boss. Gee, I'll be late. There should be a bus coming along here. Oh, my goodness, I left my money and my other clothes. Well, maybe I can hitch a ride down. Here comes a car now. Going downtown, bud? <laughs>
here comes another. Going downtown. Mm. Here comes... Going downtown. Mm. Mm. See, that one had a trailer on it. Maybe I better start walking. Gee, if I don't get a hit soon, I'll be late for the broadcast. Hey, going downtown, mister? Yeah, hop in, bud. Move over, Sophie. Let him sit in the back. <laughs> yes, yes, the, the back's all right. I hope I'm not putting you folks to too much trouble. That's all right, bud. You see, I would have taken the bus, but I didn't have the money. You don't have to explain, bud. Sophie, slip the poor guy a buck. <laughs> But I don't need... Give him an extra two bits. He needs a shave, too. <laughs> Look, mister, I don't Where need... Where you it. going, bud? To NBC. How do you like that, Sophie? Instead of looking for a job, he goes to see radio programs. <laughs> yeah, he's probably too old to work anyway. Yeah. Hey, by the way, bud, how old are you? 38. <laughs> hey, Max, did you hear what he said? Sophie, when you can't hold a job, your family throws you out, you bum around the country all your life, when you get to be 38, you look like that. <laughs> look, mister, Nothing I... personal, bud. And by the way, where do you live? Beverly Hills. Get him, Sophie, Beverly Hills. I uh, suppose you have a big house and a butler and a swimming pool. Max, stop teasing him. <laughs> okay, okay. Gee, it's a nice car you have here. What kind is it? A Buick. Oh, boy, I wish I had one like it. What year is it? 1928. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> boy, this is a beauty. Turn on the radio, Sophie. Did I tell you about the place called Duwa Diddy? It ain't no town, it ain't no city, it's awful small. Hey, awful they started the program without me. She's got basement. It's my own fault. Sophie, no turn off the radio. Basement pool. What's griping you, bud? Plenty. They started the program without me. How do you like that, Sophie? This bum's got a ticket to the program, and he wants him to wait till he gets there. <laughs> now, wait a minute, mister. You can't talk to me like that. All right, all right. Calm down. I won't calm down. Do you know who I am? Sure, sure. You're Bing Crosby or Bob Hope or Jack Benny. Max, for heaven's sake, stop teasing him. <laughs> okay, okay, Sophie. Turn on the radio again. Hey, Donzie. Donzie, what did Jackson get you for Christmas? Shoelaces again? No, no. Jack didn't know what to get me this year, so he came over to my house and painted my bedroom. <laughs> hey, Phil, how'd Santa Claus treat you? Oh, great, Donzie, great. I got a lot of stuff for my friends, but the best gift of all is this fountain pen. Just look at it. But, Phil, you have several fountain pens. Not like this one. You know that little sack inside that holds the ink? Yeah. Bourbon. <laughs> Bourbon? Yes, sir. I got the only fountain pen with a highball point. <laughs> if he thinks that's funny, he's got another... Sophie, turn off the radio. What's griping you now, bud? Nothing. I just didn't think that joke was funny. Oh, I suppose you can tell him better. You're darn right I can tell him better. Did you hear the one about hey, the... Hey, shut up! <laughs> Sophie, turn on the radio. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as long as Jack isn't here yet, we'll keep things rolling with a number from our singing star, Dennis Day. Go ahead, Dennis. 
stars will remember the night we said goodbye. The stars will remember, so will I. A rose has a token, a kiss that brought a by Dennis Day. And Dennis, that okay, was Okay, really... Don, okay, I'm here. Hiya, Jackson. Hello, Jack. Hello, fellas. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm late, but I rode down here with Barbara Stanwyck and Robert Taylor, and they <laughs> they just wouldn't let me go, you know? <laughs> Say, Dennis, you sang beautifully. How do you know? I heard the program on the way down. Hey, oh. Jackson, didn't Livy come down with you? No, Phil. Mary can't be on the show today. She's got a cold, but she's getting along all right. Now, kid... What'd you give her for Christmas, Jack? Mary? Oh, I gave her a beautiful gift. A pair of alligator shoes. Alligator shoes? That's awful. What's awful about it? Now some poor alligators running around barefooted. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. Now, kid... In the winter, too. Dennis, be quiet. A uh, kid... Oh, say, Mr. Benny. What? See this tie I'm wearing? My girl knitted it for me for Christmas. Your tie? Well, what are those things hanging on the side? Sleeve, she started to make a sweater and changed her mind. <laughs> oh, well, it looks nice, Dennis, and that's a pretty stick pin you have in it. That's one of the needles. She forgot to take it out. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful gift, so. Now, kids, I'm sorry I was late, but now that I'm here, we better get on with the show because we've got a very important play to do. Well, Jack, before we go into that, I think we ought to have a commercial. I've got the quartet right here. Oh, yes, the sportsman. Well, all right, Don, let's have the commercial first. Jack, the boys have a very bad cold, but they'll do the best they can. All four of them have a cold? <laughs> the four of them? Yes. Gee, that's too bad. Well, let's hear the commercial anyway. Okay, take it, boys. <laughs> 
Happy days are again with New Year's Eve. So again, we will all stand up and again. Gesundheit. Happy Thanks are here to stay. In fact, they've never been away. So we'll celebrate on, on, on New Year's Day with LSFMT. Too bad you've all got the flu. I can tell you just what to do. Get in bed and stay there. Speedy Riggs will be here soon. We've got his strange prophecy food. So let's hide up while we stick his tood. Happy days are here again. Then here again. <laughs> They must have caught that cold from Guy Lombardo, I think. <laughs> Don, wipe off the microphone. We'll get on with the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction tonight, even though we haven't done it for a couple of years, we're going to present another of our New Year's fantasies called The New Tenant or Goodbye 47, Hello 48. Now, in this fantasy... Wait a minute, Jack. How are you going to do without Mary? She always plays the part of Columbia. Oh, my goodness, you're right. And Mary can't be here. Hey, Jackson, you don't have to throw out our play. I just got an idea. What is it? Well, look, I rehearsed my show right across the hall, and Alice will be tickled to death to come in and pinch hit for Mary. Well, yeah, I don't know, Phil. It's, uh... She'll do it for nothing. Oh, well, go get her. <laughs> you go ahead. What do you mean, go get her? What do you want, honey? Oh, hello, Alice. Hello, Jack. Alice, I'm so glad you came in. We want you to help us out with our play. You see, uh, Mary can't be here. Oh, that's too bad. What's wrong with Mary? She's home in bed with a bad case of alligator shoes. <laughs> Dennis, Mary has a cold, Alice. Now, let's get on with the show. Now, in our fantasy, I will play the part of the old year 1947, who is living in a big boarding house run by Uncle Sam and his wife, Columbia. Uh, Alice, you'll play the part of Columbia. Columbia? Yes. On this network? <laughs> well, NBC has the holiday spirit, you see But Alice, I mean that you play Columbia, the mother of America And you were born in 1776 You know how old that makes you? 38 <laughs> 38? If it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me Oh, <laughs> well, there's room there for both of us, you know Now, Phil... Phil, you play the part of Uncle Sam, and you and Alice have 48 children, and you may soon have another child, Hawaii. Alice, come back. It's only a play. <laughs> yes. Now, Dennis, you will represent the different countries in the world that come in and say goodbye to the old year. But gee, how can I play all the different countries? I'm so confused. I couldn't have cast it any better. <laughs> now, let's get on with our play. The New Tenant, or Goodbye 47, Hello 48. As the curtain rises, it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon of December 31st. 
And old man 47 is packing his bags, getting ready to make his exit. Curtain. Music. Oh, Columbia. Columbia. Come here a minute, will you please? Well, what do you want, 47? Give me a hand, will you? I gotta get out of here before midnight and make room for the new tenant. Well, it's only two o'clock in the afternoon. What's your hurry? I ain't got a lot of packing to do. Hand me that, will you? Oh, why, old timer. Bubblegum. Yep. Love the stuff. <laughs> but how can you chew it? You ain't got the teeth. I gum my gum by gum. <laughs> <laughs> pointy nose always breaks him. <laughs> Say, I wonder if it's still raining out. What a day. Doggone, it's thundering, too. Isn't that awful on my last day here? I'm gonna have a talk with Thunder. Oh, Thor! Thor! Yes! <laughs> Are you Thor? No, just a little angry. <laughs> now cut that out. Now don't be funny. This is my last day on earth. Good. Why? You've been a lousy year, and I'm glad to get rid of you. Lousy year? What are you talking about? I've been as busy as a bee. Tremendous production. Making automobiles, airplanes, refrigerators, television sets, clothes, typewriters, boats, radios, and lots of other things. I know, but they all went to the woman who guessed who Miss Hush was. Oh, keep quiet. I said keep quiet. That Thor makes me sick, showing off with his thunder. Just mad because the Chamber of Commerce won't let him in California. <laughs> Say, Columbia, hand me those songs, will you? I'm going to take them with me. Here you are. Let me see. A feuding, a fussing, and a fighting. Lady from 29 Palms. And oh, here's this one. Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua, and chillon, la cooker, la gamba. Chibaba, chibaba, Never did find out what that meant. <laughs> Say, old timer, take this, would you, too? I can't stand it. What is it? That's what I like about the South. <laughs> I never found out what that meant either. Okay, give it to me. Well, howdy, old-timer. Hello, Uncle Sam. Afraid you wouldn't get here in time to see me go. Well, I'm sorry, but I've been busy. Well, what you been doing, Sam? Been over in Arizona trying to help some of her children, them Navajos. The uh, Navajo Indians? Yep, the way, they, way we treated them, our faces should be red, too. Yeah. I hope you see everything's all right, though, from now on. Well, I better get on. Come in. Hey, it's my neighbor, Mexico. Mexico? Excuse me for talking in your face, senor, but I came to say goodbye, I think. <laughs> well, thank you. Say, Mexico, it was awful nice of you to come up and say goodbye to the old-timer. Oh, it was nothing, senor. I was tired of fiesta, so I come up to your country to siesta. <laughs> to sleep? No, to siesta, William. <laughs> Esther Williams, you like her, eh? Chibaba, chibaba, chihuahua. Oh, so that's what it means. Huh? <laughs> well, thanks for dropping in, Mexico. Good luck. Adios, senor. That was darn nice of him. Well, Columbia, I better get down with... Say, 
Isn't it too early for the new year to be getting here? What do you mean, old-timer? Look out the window. Here comes him. Here he comes now without any clothes on, just a cloth wrapped around him. Hey, are you the new year? No, I'm on my way home from Santa Anita. <laughs> Doggone, I thought sure. Now, who can that be? Come in. Oh, look, it's, it's England. Well, hello, England. Come on in. Just dropped in to say goodbye, old chap. Thanks. <laughs> say, wait a minute, England. Is it uh, snowing outside? No, that's rice on my shoulders. We had a big wedding a little while ago. Oh, yes, yes. And uh, how are you, Uncle Sam? You'll get it. You'll get it. Take your hands out of my pocket. <laughs> Well, don't make him wait too long, Sam. He needs it pretty bad. Huh? Thanks, old-timer, and cheerio. So long, England, and good luck. You know, he's quite a guy. Now, let's see. What else can I pack? Do you want to take these flying saucers with you? No, I need them like a moose needs a hat rack. <laughs> I hear that on some radio program. Something about Norman Krasny. <laughs> I wonder if it's still raining. No, it's just a little cloudy. But, uh, oh, look. Look, the sun's a-breaking through. Well, doggone if it ain't. Here comes the sun. Hello, Sal. <laughs> Hello, old-timer. Doggone, look at the way the sun is beaming. Yep, and get a load of that beam. <laughs> hey, Sal, nice of you to come out on my last day. Yeah, just warming it up for the Rose Bowl game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Sal, you ought to go to New York, melt some of that snow they got over there. That was my fault. They kept singing about a white Christmas, and they got it. <laughs> I guess you're right. Well, so long, Sal. So long, old-timer. <laughs> Always like to see him. Does my rheumatism good. <laughs> well, I better finish packing. Doggone, I'm all alone. It's almost midnight. Gosh, I'm tired. Sure had a tough time. Did the best I could, though, and I hope the new fella will do a lot better. Uh-oh, there's the first stroke of midnight. New tenant ought to be here any second now. Well, I better get my bags and just... Hey, that must be him now. Come in. Well, it's a little new year, all right. Hello, Sonny. Hello, old-timer. Say, you're a cute little rascal. Thank you. <laughs> you even got that new look. <laughs> Your diaper's two inches longer. <laughs> Come on in, make yourself at home. I'm just about to leave. Oh, by the way, Sonny, before I go, I want to show you my picture album. Your picture album? Yep. Here, I'll show you. Now, take a good look at this picture. Here's something I'm mighty proud of. That looks like a railroad yard with all those trains. Yep. That long one over there is the friendship train. Started out with just a dozen cars. But every place it stopped, people added more and more food for Europe. What's this other one over here? Oh, that, that's called the Freedom Train. The Freedom Train? Yep. And I want you to get as many people as possible to see it. Whole life's life is on that train. Bill of Rights, Emancipation Proclamation, Declaration of Independence. Those are big words. What do they mean? Yeah, well, sum it up for you in the words of a great man, Abraham Lincoln. That government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. 
That makes a lot of sense. Well, Sonny, I got to be going now, but I want to tell you one thing. What's that, old-timer? You're even going to have a tougher job than I had, but you'll have an extra day to do it. You're a leap year. Leap year? Yeah, it's a special year they throw in just for the women. <laughs> you know, so those that ain't been asked can do the asking. <laughs> Before the poor guy knows it, he's married. Married? What's that? Oh, just another version of feuding, of fussing, and of fighting. <laughs> well, Sonny, be sure and take care of Columbia and Uncle Sam. I will. And the rest of the world ain't in too good shape. A lot of people hungry. But there's a fella here by the name of Marshall who's got a plan to sort of help him out. Marshall? Yep, George Marshall. Now, his plan's gonna cost a lot of money, but it's worth every cent of it. Always remember, Sonny, it isn't money that counts. People. And it's up to those who have to help those who have. Well, I'm just about ready. Oh, yes. Uh, one more thing, Sonny. Yes, sir. A lot of awful lot of things in the world that ain't good, you know. There's distrust and greed and racial prejudice and hatred. See if you can do something about it. I sure will. Well, gotta be going. Good luck, 48. Thanks, old-timer. Now be sure and take care of everybody. I will. Goodbye, 47. So long, Sonny. Happy New Year, everybody. Just a minute, but first, quality of product is essential to continuing success. And Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. LSMFT. Yes, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, and fine tobacco is what counts in the cigarette. Remember what happens at the tobacco auctions? <laughs> at market after market, independent tobacco experts can see the makers of Lucky Strike consistently select and buy that fine, that light, that naturally mild tobacco. <laughs> Lucky Strike presents The Man Who Knows. The tobacco warehouseman. Mr. Frank Brown of Stoneville, North Carolina, has been a tobacco warehouseman for the past 25 years. Not long ago, he said, Year after year, I've seen the makers of Lucky Strike buy tobacco that's really fine. Light, ripe tobacco you just can't beat for smoking quality. I've smoked Luckers myself for 29 years. So for your own real, deep-down smoking enjoyment, remember... L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke that smoke of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. Yes, next time you buy cigarettes, ask for Lucky Strike. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Ladies and gentlemen, Phil and Alice can also be heard on their own show every Sunday. And don't forget to listen to A Day in the Life of Dennis Day on Wednesday. On our show tonight, we had with us Mel Blank, B. Benaderet, Frank Nelson, and little Johnny McGovern. And I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas. And on behalf of my cast and my sponsors, I want to wish each and every one of you a very This happy is NBC, day. the National Broadcasting Company.
girls you know about the new look in fashion. Well, there's a new look in hair beauty, too. Yes, women everywhere are achieving that look of softer, shinier hair with a marvelous new product, Fitch Cream Shampoo. This wonder-working shampoo is made with two beneficial beauty aids, lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin is used to soften the hair, to leave it smooth and caressable. Olive oil is used to bring out sparkling highlights to accent the glowing radiance of your hair. Fitch Cream Shampoo is so easy to use. A small dab quickly whips into a fragrant, creamy lather that thoroughly cleanses hair and scalp. Then just rinse with plain water and every bubble of suds is gone. After shampooing, you'll find your hair stays in place. It stays soft and it stays shining, as though it had been brushed and brushed and brushed. Fitch is economical, too. Compare the size of the jar. Compare its low cost. At drug or toilet goods counters, buy Fitch Cream Shampoo for that flattering new look of softer, shinier hair. The F.W. Fitch Company, makers of Fitch Shampoo, presents the Fitch Bandwagon with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Robert North, Walter Scharf and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. As we look in the Harris home, it's a few days after Christmas. Phil is at a band rehearsal, and Alice is talking to her brother, William. I'd ask you to have dinner with us, William, but we don't have a thing in the house. Phil had his musicians over last night, and they ate everything in sight. I never saw such hungry men. In fact, the trumpet player got bitten. Oh, my... By one of the other men? No, by the dog. He was trying to steal his kennel ration. <laughs> well, Alice, if you have no food in the house, why don't you and Philip come over to Mother's? She's cooking a roast. Oh, no, thanks. I'll have Phil take me out to dinner when he gets home. Gee, I wish he'd hurry. He's always late when he's with the band. The poor dear works so hard at those rehearsals. <laughs> Break it up, fellas. All right, hold it. Hold it. All right, fellas, hold it. Hold it. Hold it when I holler, hold it. Now hold it. And keep holding it. Now look, you guys, and stop arguing with me. I'm the leader, and I'm going to pick the selections. Why do we always have to play what you pick, Curly? Because I'm the boss, that's why. Now hand me that sheet. All right, dictator. <laughs> you insist we'll play what you pick. That's better. Now we'll play Texas Sandman in the fifth of Jamaica. <laughs> Horses three to two and got a good chance. Now that we got that settled, let's get back to the music. Now let's go over that last tune once Texas more. Texas Sandman's a dog. He ain't got a chance. <laughs> Artie, look, Artie, please. Let's forget the horses, huh? That's all you ever think about. If you knew as much about music as you do about the horses, you'd be a lot better off. I know a lot about music, Phil. In fact, I just wrote an operatic area. <laughs> you wrote an area, huh? What's the name of it? Opus One, Movement. 
statement true, weather clear, track fact. <laughs> I can just hear Nelson Eddy singing it and nosing out Jeanette McDonald by a half a length. <laughs> All I hear is horse, horse. Let's cut out the clowning. It's getting late and I... Holy smoke, it's six o'clock. I got to get home to dinner. Hey, that's all, fellas. You can break it up. Get out of here. All right, break it up. Wind it up. Hey, Frankie, come here. What? Hey, look, uh, why don't you come over to the house and have dinner with Alice and me? I don't want to. <laughs> well, why not? I just don't want to. Do I have to make excuses? <laughs> I'm going home and cook my own dinner. But wouldn't you rather eat with Alice and oh, me and... Uh, pardon me, uh... You're Phil Harris, aren't you? I'm sorry, Pop. I ain't got no time for autographs. Yeah, beat it, will you, Pop? Uh, <laughs> I just arrived in town, Mr. Harris, and I came right over to see you. Well, that's very nice of you, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Um... F.W. Fitch Okay, is the name. okay, I'll see you some other time. Now, look, Frankie, uh, why don't you come over to the house and Alice and I will make some nice fried... Fitch? <laughs> like fried fish. <laughs> Frankie, will you listen? That man back there is F.W. Fitch. You mean our sponsor? That's right, in person. Come on. I'll race you. Uh, Mr. Fitch, uh, uh, Mr. Fitch, uh, I'm awfully sorry. Uh, I didn't know it was you. Yeah, we didn't know you were in town. Gee, Mr. Fitch, I hope you're not mad at us. Oh, we didn't mean to snub you, Mr. Fitch. You, you see, we... Uh... All right, gentlemen, all right. You may rise now. <laughs> Thank you, Master. I'm sorry I didn't recognize you, Mr. Fitch. Oh, it's not your fault. I did drop in unexpectedly. You see, I'm touring the country checking on business conditions. You know, Mr. Harris, Fitch products are selling very well. Yes, sir. And they should. They're wonderful products. You take that new cream shampoo of yours. It's terrific. You and Mrs. Harris use it, of course. Not only us, but all our friends. When we have people over, we don't waste our time playing charades or them silly games. We have shampooing parties. <laughs> oh, this kid knows which side his head is lathered on. <laughs> Mr. Harris, I want you to know that we owe a lot of our sales success to your excellent radio show. I think you're doing a wonderful job with your orchestra. We do the best we can. We've worked hard and we feel we have a good out. Hold that, we. <laughs> Don't get so plural. Remember, it's my band. Mr. Harris, who is this person? Oh, this here? Yeah. That's Frankie Remley. He's, uh, well, he's sort of a stooge. He, he really doesn't do much. <laughs> oh, no. I just write all the arrangements. Tell the boys how to play. <laughs> Show Curly how to lead with his baton. I'm solely responsible for the success of the orchestra. And if the truth were known, Curly is nothing but a figurehead. Thank you, Benedict Arnold. <laughs> now get lost, will you? Stop trying to get in good with the sponsor. Don't pay any attention to Frankie, Mr. Fitch. Look, let you and I go someplace and be alone where we... Hey... I have an idea. Why don't you come over to the house right now and have dinner with Alice and me? Well, that's very nice of you, Mr. Harris. I've been eating in restaurants for the last two weeks, and I'd appreciate a home-cooked meal. Then you'll come to dinner? We'll be glad to. Nobody asked you. <laughs> I invited you before, and you turned me down. Now I don't want you. So come on, let's go, Mr. Fitch. Go ahead. Go home and have dinner. I got more important things to do. 
What are you going to do, Mr. Emley? I'm going home and shampoo my hair, Mr. Fitch. <laughs> I don't take time out to eat like Curly does. <laughs> well, I must toddle off. Smile a while, let a song be your style. Use Fitch shampoo. <laughs> don't despair, use your head, save your hair. <clears throat> Catchy little cute, isn't it? <laughs> yes, sir. That's number one in our books. We yeah. play it all the time. <laughs> well, suppose we get home for dinner, huh? Well, Mr. Harris, perhaps you'd better call your wife first. This is such short notice. Uh, she's not expecting me for dinner. You think it's possible that she might not have enough? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been having company for dinner for the last few days, and she always has enough. <laughs> You know, Miss Terrace, I'm looking forward to this home-cooked meal. I'm rather hungry. Well, we'll be home soon. It's only a short drive. Say, while we're riding along, I'll turn the radio on, huh? Gee whiz, you just wait till you taste Alice's cooking, Mr. Fitz. Good evening, She's ladies really... and gentlemen. It's now 6.30 and time for another session with your disc jockey, Al Jarvis. Our first recording is Phil Harris doing The Preacher and the Bear. Oh, they're playing one of your records, Mr. Yeah, Harris. Shh. Quiet, don't talk, just listen. A preacher went out walking, t'was on one Sunday morn. It was against his religion, but he took that gun along. He shot himself some mighty fine quail and one little measly hare. But on his way returning home, he met a great big grizzly bear. Now the bear got down in the middle of the road on all fours like a great big toad and looked that preacher right square in the eye. And the preacher looked at him and said, bye-bye. Preacher got up, took out the run. The bear right after that preacher did come and he run and he run for about a mile. And the preacher got up and rested a while. Preacher got up, started to the bear right after him with more vim And he ran and he ran till he spotted a tree Said up on the limb is the place for me Bear reached up made a grab for him Preacher leaped and he made the limb Pulled himself up and turned about Cast his eyes to the skies and he did shout Oh Lord you delivered Daniel from the lion's den Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale And then the Hebrew children from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare yes Lord If you can't help me for goodness sake don't help that bear now just about then that limb let go and the preacher come tumbling down. Reached in his pocket, pulled his razor out just before he hit the ground. He hit the ground with an awful bang. It was a terrible sight. That preacher and the bear with a razor in his hair just a cut and left and right. Well, they rolled around on the ground. The preacher was up and then he was down. The bear let out an awful moan and looked like the preacher was holding his own. Said if I get out of here alive with that good book, I will abide. I'll never sin on Sabbath day and Sunday. Come, I'll pray and pray to the heaven. He did glance at Lord, just give me one more chance Then his suspenders gave away And he knocked that bear ten feet away Preacher got up, made a bound for the tree Where he'd be safe and sound Pulled himself up and turned about Cast his eyes to the skies and he did shout Oh Lord, you delivered Daniel from lion's den Also delivered Jonah from the belly of the whale And then the Hebrew chilling from the fiery furnace So the good book do declare, yes Lord If you can't help me for goodness sakes Don't help that bear Well, this is our little home, Mr. Fitch. This way, like call Alice. She's going to be awfully glad to see you. Alice! Oh, Alice! What is it, Phil? 
Well, come out, dear. I got a surprise for you. I brought F.W. Fitch home for dinner. What kind of fish did you bring home for dinner? <laughs> 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 you got a terrible sense of humor, that kid. Charming's up there. <laughs> I guess you didn't understand me. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you brought something home because we... Oh, 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 we have company. Sure we do, honey. And what company? Look, I want you to meet Mr. F.W. Fitch, our sponsor. Mr. Fitch, this is Alice. Oh, well, gee, the... This is so sudden, I, I didn't expect anyone, and oh, I'm such a mess, my head. On the oh. contrary, Mrs. Harris, this is our first meeting, and I must say I find you even more beautiful than I imagined. Oh, thank you, Mr. Fitch, and the same to you. <laughs> you know, honey, Mr. Fitch is in town on business, Hello, and I just... Daddy, we've been waiting for you to come home. Yes, we want to tell you something. Ah, oh, these must be the children. Yes, sir, yes, sir, these are little girls. <laughs> I want you to meet uh, Daddy's sponsor, girls. Uh, this is Mr. Fitch. Oh, is this the man who sent you his bust for a Christmas present, Daddy? Uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, you remember what I told you, kids, when I got it? Remember I said, ain't this a beautiful Christmas present? That ain't what you said, Daddy. You said it was... Never mind. <laughs> I loved your gift, Mr. Fitch. Well, I'm glad you did. Uh, I don't notice the bust around any place. Uh, where is it? Oh, uh, uh, oh, the bust, yes, it's, um... Well, now, let me see. It's, you uh... gave it to Julius for a Christmas present, Daddy. Julius? Yes, my Uncle Julius. <laughs> you see, he gave me a bus, too, and children get so confused about these things. I've got two of them. Well, honey, how about starting dinner? Uh, Mr. Fitch should be getting hungry. Yeah, but Phil... Uh, it'll be a pleasure to have a delicious home-cooked meal, Mrs. Harris. Well, uh, Phil, uh, can I see you alone for a minute? Oh, sure. Excuse us, Mr. Fitch. Uh, what is it, honey? Oh, Phil, why didn't you call before you asked Mr. Fitch to dinner? I haven't got a thing in the house. Well, just open some canned stuff. I saw a half a dozen cans in the pantry this morning. But, Phil... Now, don't argue. Just open the cans and make some fancy dish. Cream it or something and, and serve it to him. All right. Gee, I hope Mr. Fitch likes cream Drano. <laughs> Drano? Oh, wait a minute. I know what I'll do. I'll call Julius. Maybe he can get into the market and bring me something. Good. You do that, and then I'll go entertain Mr. Fitch, huh? Oh, Alice. Alice, uh, tell Julius to bring that bust of Mr. Fitch back with him, will you? Okay. Well, Mr. Fitch, Alice has started dinner. I hope you don't mind taking potluck with us. Oh, not at all. I eat everything except canned salmon. Uh, it disagrees with me, you know. Oh, well, don't worry. We wouldn't think about serving that. Say, uh, while we're waiting, uh, how about a little entertainment? Uh, would you like to uh, hear the children recite? Oh, I don't want to impose on the children. Oh, it's all right. They love to do it. Go ahead, Phyllis. Recite something. Must I, Daddy? Mr. Fitch I said want... recite, Phyllis. Recite. <laughs> Go ahead. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Did you like that poem, Mr. Fitch? Yes, I liked all 20 of them. <laughs> Mr. Harris, do you think dinner will be ready soon? I'm getting famished. Well, wait, I'll see how Alice is doing. Uh, Phyllis, keep reciting. All right, Daddy. Hickory dickory dock. The mouse went out the cock. I wonder if Julius brought anything yet. Hey, Alice, did Julius show up yet? No, Phil. Look, why don't we just tell Mr. Fitch that we don't have... Oh, that must be Julius. Soulmate. Oh, Julius, thank goodness you're here. Did you bring the food? Yeah, I brought over five cans of salmon. Oh, no. <laughs> no. 
Oh, that's the one thing he can't stand. Oh, Julius, leave it to you to butch things up. That's appreciation for you. If it wasn't for Miss Fay, I wouldn't have brung nothing over. You never done nothing for me. For Christmas, you give me a bustier sponsor. The darndest thing I ever seen. <clears throat> uh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> I, I don't mean to intrude in your kitchen, Mrs. Harris, but I thought perhaps I might be able to help you hurry dinner along a little. Oh, thanks very much, but there's nothing you can do. Dinner will be ready soon. As I was saying, Mr. Harris, a fine Christmas present. What am I supposed to do with a bustier sponsor? Julius Jiggers. What did Mr. Harris give you for Christmas, son? He gave me a bust of some funny-looking old gink. <laughs> he did, huh? Yeah. I didn't want it, but he forced it on me. <laughs> Julius, please, this man here... I didn't here... know what to do with a bust, so I took it to school. To school? Yeah. We're studying it in my biology class. <laughs> Thank goodness Alice saved her money. When I brought it to school, the teacher couldn't figure out what it was. The teacher couldn't figure out what it was at all. I had to explain it to her. I told her it was the bust of a male. And what did the teacher say? She says, I know it's a male, but a male what? <laughs> this is very interesting. Uh, don't pay any attention to Julius, Mr. Fitch. He just had his teeth capped and he keeps shooting off his mouth. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is Mr. Fitch? Well, I guess I better pick up my little legs and run along. <laughs> yeah, you'd better before I pick up my little leg and help you. <laughs> that kid. Look, Mr. Fitch, let me explain about the bus. Oh, Just... forget it, Curly. Frankly, I would have done the same thing if I'd gotten a Christmas present like that. Oh. Uh, now about dinner. I don't want to rush, but you see, I'm only going to be in California another week, and I'd like to eat before I leave. <laughs> Mr. Fitch, you go inside and sit down and, and then Alice and me will take care of everything Very well Now I suppose I'll have to listen to some more of those poems <laughs> Say, Phil, I have an idea William said Mother's having a roast for dinner Maybe she can send it over And Frankie said he was going to have dinner at home I'll call him to bring over his stuff too And between the two of them, we ought to have enough Now look, honey, I'll make both calls And you go entertain Mr. Fitch All right Gee, I hope the children are keeping Mr. Fitch occupied. Little Miss Muffet sat on the tuffet, eating her curds and whey. Eating? Ah, oh, what a beautiful <laughs> word. <laughs> well, Mr. Fitch, I see the children are reciting for you. Are you being entertained? If you want to use the word loosely. <laughs> oh, don't let me interrupt. Continue, Phyllis. Yes, Mommy. Hey, diddle, diddle, the cat and the fiddle, the cow jumped over the moon. Cow? We get... <laughs> we get steak from cows, don't we? The little dog laughed to see such sport. <laughs> Don't you just love to hear children recite, Mr. Fitz? There's nothing as sweet as the sound of a child's voice. Unless it's the sound of slurping soup. <laughs> oh, well, if you'll excuse me, I'll go into the kitchen and see how dinner is coming. Phyllis! Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went... 
Oh, Phil, did William bring the roast over yet? Yeah, honey, he brought it. It's here. But he said it's only partly cooked and you'll have to put it in the oven another 15 minutes. Oh, good. I'll put it in the oven right now. Now, Phil, I want to go upstairs and change, so please keep an eye on the roast, and if I'm not down in 15 minutes, turn the oven off, huh? Okay, honey, I'll turn it off. Gee, I hope that roast is going to be enough for all of us. Don't worry about it. Frankie's bringing over some other food, too, so we'll have plenty. Now, let's see now. I'm supposed to turn the light off in 15 minutes. Well, here I am. Oh, my boy! <laughs> you are my boy. Hi, Frankie. Gee whiz, I'm sure glad you were able to make it for dinner. Why don't you stop? Fine dinner invitation. I had to bring my own food. <laughs> All right, Frankie. But I appreciate you bringing it over. You should appreciate my bringing it over. Spent an hour slaving over a hot stove cooking a delicious dinner. Then I went to the trouble of bringing it all the way over here. Got a delicious dinner, huh? Uh, what were you cooking? A can of beans. <laughs> you mean you brought over one can of beans? Oh, of course not. You schmo. I know that wouldn't be enough. I brought over ten cans. <laughs> ten cans of beans, huh? Well, that finishes that. I guess we're just going to have to make that roast do. I got a little roast here I'm trying to cook. I better look at it. It's only supposed to cook for 15 minutes. Let me see. Oh, that's the cutest little thing. <laughs> that looks awful small, Curly. You cook that thing for 15 minutes, it'll shrink to nothing. It's got to cook. Yeah. Why don't you just turn the flame up higher? That way it won't have to cook so long. <laughs> yeah, that figures. Sure. Sure. I'll turn the flame up a little. A little? Turn it up all the way like that. <laughs> there we are. Now we'll just sit back and wait. You know something? I'm surprised Alice didn't think of this. Yeah. <laughs> wait till she sees what we did. <laughs> She'll be delighted. Yeah. Oh, you two nitwits, you ruined my roast. It's burned to a crisp. Oh. <gasps> I told Curly not to do it. Frankie, you told me to do it that way. Oh, it isn't enough that I married an income poop. He's got to have an assistant, too. <laughs> what are we going to do now? Well, I brought over ten cans of beans. Why don't you cook them? Frankie's right, honey. We're going to have to serve the beans. But I told him we were going to have a roast. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You put it on the table and keep it covered. Then we'll keep serving him beans until he's so full he can't eat anything else. <laughs> tells me this isn't the way to treat a sponsor, but there's nothing else we can do. Start opening the beans, boys. Well, everything's on the table and dinner's ready, Mr. Fitch. So soon? <laughs> uh... Table sure looks nice, Alice. It certainly does. All these steaming dishes. Well, why don't you take the cover off the roast and start carving, Mr. Harris? No, no, later. It's a little too hot to handle right now. Uh, why don't you have some of these baked beans first? Yeah, well, I'll just have a little. I want to save my appetite for the rest of the dinner. May I? May I help you to some of this, Mr. Fitz? Yeah, uh, what is it? French fried beans. And let me put a label full of this Italian food on your plate. Uh, what kind of Italian food? Bean scallopini. <laughs> Isn't that a strange dish? If you think that's strange, well, you taste this. Yeah, well, what's that? Marinated beans. 
Horace's set a nice monotonous table, don't they? <laughs> Mr. Harris, just as a point of information, where do you get all these beans? We got a pipeline to Boston. Mr. Harris, all these beans on my plate are very nice, but is there any chance of getting a piece of meat? Why, sure. Heaven's sakes. You look through the beans. Maybe you'll find a hunk of pork. <laughs> well, I'd like a piece of the roast. No, 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 no. That plate is still awfully hot. Not now. Wait till it cools off. And until it does, just have some more beans. Alice, pass the beans. Pass the beans. <laughs> Well, have you had enough to eat, Mr. Fitch? Oh, I think so. I never want to see another bean again as long as I live. Well, I, I guess we're ready for dessert. Ah, dessert. Uh, that sounds like a welcome change. What are you serving for dessert, Mrs. Harris? Beans a la mode. <laughs> beans a la mode? Yes, that's a cold bean on top of a hot bean. <laughs> Dessert. You're missing something delicious, sir <laughs> But I, I hope you enjoyed your, your dinner, Mr. Fitch I never tasted anything like it in my life <laughs> However, I appreciate your hospitality And now I'd like to take you all out someplace Where we can enjoy a little entertainment Entertainment? Why go out for entertainment? Phyllis! Little boy blue, come blow your horn The sheep's in the meadow Oh, no! Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Is your shampoo doing right by you? Yes, is your shampoo doing right by you? Well, my shampoo lathers all right, but, well, it just doesn't remove my dandruff. I've tried one shampoo after another. They all suds up and rinse out, but I still have dandruff. If your shampoo is letting you down when it comes to removing dandruff, switch to Fitch, Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. It's guaranteed to remove all dandruff. Medical authorities say there are two kinds of dandruff. One is loose and flaky. It's the unsightly kind. The other clings to the scalp. It's the invisible, irritating kind. If your present shampoo is doing only half the job, removing only part of your dandruff, remember Fitch removes both kinds completely. So be free of unsightly dandruff. Be free of invisible, irritating dandruff. Yes, be free of all embarrassing dandruff. Fitch is the only shampoo whose guarantee to remove dandruff with first application is backed by one of the world's largest insurance firms. So switch to Fitch at drug counters, barber, and beauty shops. Ask for Fitch's Dandruff Remover Shampoo. Fitch Shampoo does right by you. Well, Mr. Fitch, now that the kids are in bed, uh, uh, how about a little uh, after-dinner drink? Oh, I might have a little one. Swell. How about some B&B? B&B? <laughs> Bean brandy. <laughs> this is Phil Harris, folks. 
And on behalf of our sponsor, the F.W. Fitch Company, and our entire cast, Alice and I want to wish each of you a big share of good luck and happiness in the coming year. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year! Tune in next week when the F.W. Fitch Company again brings you the Fitch Bandwagon with Alice Faye and Phil Harris. This program was written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, directed by Paul Phillips. Alice Faye appears to the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. The part of F.W. Fitch was played by Francis X. Bushman. The part of Frankie was played by Elliot Lewis. Laugh a while, let a song be your style. Use Fitch Shampoo. Girls, for softer, shinier hair, use Fitch's new cream shampoo. It's made with both lanolin and olive oil. Lanolin to soften, olive oil for sparkling highlights. Try Fitch cream shampoo, Bill Foreman speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, hello again. This is Buck Manny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the 1937-1938 season of the Jack Benny Show. Tonight's episode is our fourth episode featuring Eddie Anderson as Rochester. Now you might be saying, I don't remember four episodes. (laughs) That's because we didn't have four. This is his fourth appearance as Rochester. The first one exists from six months ago. Then the next two, unfortunately, are two of the missing episodes of the Jack Benny Show. And then this one, his fourth appearance for us as a listening audience, the second time we've heard Eddie Anderson as Rochester. The two that are missing, it's strange because there's not very many missing episodes these last couple seasons and for the rest of the run of the Jack Benny Show. They're just we we have most of the episodes. It kind of leads me to believe that somebody, either Eddie Anderson himself, or maybe one of the writers, wanted to hear these episodes, and so they pulled the two, uh, two of them that feature Rochester, and they just never got put back in a collection somewhere along the way. Anyway, hopefully they'll turn up someday, but we get a chance now to hear. Eddie Anderson as Rochester, and he'll start becoming a series regular here very quickly, which is great. Rochester just a brilliant, brilliant character, performed beautifully uh, by Eddie Anderson. Um, it's not, as you can tell, it's not an overnight progression that he, he uh, this Rochester character. One of the things about this is that they kind of had changed the whole concept and format of the show in that Jack's show usually took place in the studio, supposedly, as they were were creating this radio show, and it had skits in it that they originated in the studio. It just didn't have much of Jack at home. It did sometimes, but not much. With Rochester, it would kind of set the whole thing on its head, and you could still do the episodes that take place in the recording studio, supposedly, right, in front of the studio audience. Um, But you would also have 
pieces that took place in the Jack Benny home, which allowed for a whole different set of storylines that would later culminate in uh, about the 45-46 era in having uh, Jack have his Professor LeBlanc and the vault and a lot of stories that were kind of standard situation comedies. Certainly the, the Coleman's grew out of this. And all of this, the catalyst for all of this was sort of what do we do with this character of Rochester? Do we just have him call in every week? Or do we have some adventures at home with Jack and Rochester? And that's what leads to a lot of the great positive changes that happened to Jack's show to really make it a timeless classic uh, radio show. Uh, I think without the Rochester character, I don't know if we would have Professor LeBlanc. I don't know if we'd have some of the pieces that get added in later to the show. I don't know if we'd have the vault even. So I think Rochester is, a, is an amazingly important catalyst there. I think also for African-American performers, this is a nod of acceptance that they are becoming a larger and larger part of the acting community and that they can actually use an African-American on one of the most popular shows in all of um, radio. Uh, granted, the character they've created for him is based on a stereotype, the butler sort of thing, the valet, but it, it certainly Rochester immediately takes it beyond that and immediately wins most of the conversations between he and Jack. And so uh, he, he adds a depth to the character and a warmness to this character that, that make it bigger and broader and more powerful than just the job he has to do for Jack. Um, one of the reasons I think that it took so long to get Eddie Anderson in a regular role here, one, like I say, because they had to change the show, they had to figure out what they're going to do, two, because Eddie Anderson is a very busy actor at this point in movies. In 1937, he's in 11 movies. In 1938, he's in 10 movies. His two most productive years in, in uh, theatrical films and in 1939 he's in a gone with the wind probably his <laughs> definitely his biggest film uh i mean gone with the wind one of the biggest films of all time that he actually gets a part of which is neat to see that he got that role um in 1943 he's in um cabin in the sky where he's got the lead role of that film and great film to watch if you ever get a chance to and he's also another big role for him in 1962 it's a mad 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 world he's one of the taxi drivers at the end the other one being peter falk and they do a just a fun job having those two on that movie uh, throughout the late 30s early 40s he's in a lot of the jack benny films which makes sense uh, but he also in a lot of other films too as well. 
Brewster's Millions big film for him that I always thought Jack should have been in as well. But at least Rochester got in that film. And he plays a character named Jackson, so <laughs> that's kind of fun. Uh, anyway, enjoy tonight's episode. Enjoy uh, getting experiencing the growth that happens in Rochester's character over the course of the upcoming years. And I'm just really, really glad this one survives. And it's six months, almost six months to the day since the first time he appeared as Rochester that we get our second appearance for us as Rochester Van Jones. Uh, anyway, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. J-E-L-L-O The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with Don't Cry, Sweetheart, Don't Cry. With the start of the new year, the makers of Jell-O want to thank all of you for your splendid support during the past year. And we're going to continue to do our very best to deserve it during the coming year. We also want to start our new year with a special welcome to our many new listeners in Canada. We're very proud that 24 Canadian stations are being added tonight, which will bring this program to thousands of listeners who have not been able to hear it before. So for our old audience as well as our new, we're making two New Year's resolutions. The first to bring you the best programs we can, the second, to help you serve the best desserts we can. And you'll find that Jell-O will help you in a big way. Jell-O is so inexpensive and so quick and easy to prepare, and it tastes just grand. So here's to more delicious desserts all through 1938 with Jell-O. Don't cry, sweetheart, don't cry, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, 1938 is with us. And who do you think is standing here at the microphone waiting to greet you one and all? Is it Fred Allen? No. Is it uh, Ginger Rogers? No. Is it Clark Gable? No. Is it Jack Benny? No. I mean, yes. <laughs> Hello again, this is me talking. Thank you. Well, down for a minute there, you had me guessing. And now, folks, before we start the ball rolling, I want to wish you all a happy new year. And you too, Don, I hope you have health, wealth, and prosperity. Well, thank you, Jack, and I hope that 1938 will bring you a lot of happiness, too. I hope so, Don. And incidentally, I'm going to start the new year off with a clean slate and pay up all of my old debts. Uh, here's that quarter I borrowed from you last June when I wanted a cigar. You remember that, Don? Oh, yes, Jack, yes, thanks. Now, uh, how about that $10 I loaned you yesterday at the racetrack? Well, uh, that's this year, Don. You'll have to wait until 1939 for that. <laughs> but don't worry about it, kid. Well, I'll try it out, too, Jack. And by the way, uh, what kind of a time did you have New Year's Eve? Did you step out and have any fun? Well, Don, I hate to say this, but I spent the most miserable evening I can ever remember. Oh, oh it was horrible. And it was all Phil Harris's fault. Is Phil here yet? Uh, not yet, Jack. What happened? Well, I didn't have anything special to do New Year's Eve, so Phil called me up and asked me to go out on a blind date. I should have had my head examined. Mm. 
<laughs> a blind date, huh? Yeah, Phil had two girls. His was beautiful. But I wish you could have seen the one he picked for me. <laughs> she was the homeliest dame I've ever seen. She looked like a smudge pot with rouge. <laughs> oh, really, it was awful. Gee whiz, Jack, was she really that bad? Bad? That's the only time I ever saw a human Mickey Finn. <laughs> I tell you, Don, if that girl gets love letters, Dracula writes them. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, who is she, Jack? What's her name? Uh, Dolores Del Schmutz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was the Dolores that fooled me. <laughs> but really, Don, I can't describe that face of hers. And I sent her orchids, too. Well, gee whiz, didn't that help? Only the florist. <laughs> And you know what was so embarrassing, Don? She insisted, she insisted that we go to the Coconut Grove of all places. Mary was there and Andy Devine, too. I knew everybody in the room. What did they do? Did they snub you or anything? No, but it got pretty annoying when people would slap me on the back and say, ha, 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 hello, Jack. <laughs> Believe me, I'm cured of blind dates from now on. Oh, hello, Mary. Happy New Year. Thanks, Jack. Who was that orangutan you were out with the other night? <laughs> You see, Don, you see, was I exaggerating? Well, Mary Jack was just telling me about that blind date he had on New Year's Eve. No kidding, Mary. Wasn't that the homeliest girl you've ever seen me out with? No. <laughs> she was, too. You've never seen me with anyone worse than that. Well, at least her mustache was cute. <laughs> it wasn't a mustache. She was drinking cocoa all night. Coco, say, that's a fine drink to buy a girl on New Year's Eve. Well, I was trying to make her fall asleep so I could sneak out. <laughs> you seem to be having a good time, Mary. Who was that fellow you were with? Oh, a little jockey I met at Santa Anita. He had the best-looking bow legs. Oh, a little jockey, huh? Was he a good dancer, Mary? Yes, but he must have thought I was a horse. Why? Every time the music started, he wanted to dance piggyback. <laughs> Oh, that, that must have been uncomfortable, you know. Well, I didn't mind that so much, but I got pretty tired of that bit in my mouth. <laughs> oh, well, he didn't mean anything. At least he took you out and bought you a nice dinner. Yeah, but when he said, let's put on the feed bag, he wasn't fooling. <laughs> well, I can see I wasn't the only one who had trouble, huh? Hello, fellas. Hiya, Jack, old boy. Happy New Year. Keep it. <laughs> the fine thing you pulled on me New Year's Eve, Phil, Dolores. Are you still beefing about that girl? I ain't writing poetry about her. <laughs> what a gal. She only had one tooth. What are you talking about? She had a lot of teeth. Oh, yeah? Where were they? On her charm bracelet. <laughs> well, if her wrist ever smiles, it'll be a big help to her. And listen, Phil, as long as you invited me, why didn't you let me go, uh, go out with a good-looking girl? Now, wait a minute. We matched pennies for her, didn't we? Well... No kidding, Jack. Did you really match pennies for Phil's girl? Yes, but even Lincoln was against me that <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that not, not only that, after sticking me with Dolores, why did you make me pay the check? <laughs> huh? <laughs> well, I figured as long as you were stuck that for, you might as well go the whole way. Yeah. Well, now on, just leave me out of those little parties you frame. And now that you're here, my little chum, how about playing a number? I'd be glad to. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Say, Jack. What? I was just thinking. Dolores would be a nice girl to take to the beach. Why should I take her to the beach? You could cover up with sand. Oh, don't rub it in. Play, Phil. 
the past 12 months. And now, folks... Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Hello. Happy New Year, Kenny. Hi, you're a little bit late there. You shouldn't start the New Year that way. Well, I got here in time to sing my song, didn't I? Yes, but suppose we had moved the song up earlier on the program. Then Phil could sing it. I know it. Suppose Phil wasn't here. Then you could sing it. That's right, I could. Boy, wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I sang a little bit last week, and it wasn't so bad. There were no complaints. You did not. Phil and I sang last week, and so did Kenny. Well, I... I was there in Mary's right. You didn't even open your mouth. Well, I... You had no more to do with that song than Donald Duck. Well, I... What apology? <laughs> now, wait a minute. At my party, when we all did that group song, in the second so chorus, I sang a line, and so did Andy Devine. Which one was Andy? <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry I brought me up. Anyway, I was talking to Kenny. I started to ask you what kind of a time you had New Year's Eve, Kenny. Uh, what did you do? Well, uh, Phil Harris called me up and wanted me to go out on a blind date with some girl called Dolores, but I wouldn't fall for that. <laughs> Oh, I see. Gosh, I'm not that dumb. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, Phil told me he'd get some other guy. He did, Kenny, he did. I was the guy that got hooked there. You should have seen her, Kenny. You don't know how lucky you were. What did she look like, Jack? Well, maybe I was too critical. I don't know. She did have a rather nice figure, and the cutest way of fixing her hair it was combed down over her face, wasn't it, Mary? What? <laughs> yeah, but not far enough. <laughs> I guess I was expecting too much. So what did you do, Kenny? Just stay home New Year's Eve? No, I had a swell time. I went out with my girl and her boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> oh, a threesome. You always do that, Kenny. What's the idea? Well, uh, she's trying to make up her mind which one of us she's in love with. Well, I can understand that. She wants to be sure before she takes that final step. How do you stand, Kenny? Oh, I don't think she likes either of us as much as the fellow she's engaged to. <laughs> Oh, still another one. Say, you've got quite a few rivals on your hands. Wait till the fleet comes in. Mary. Well, Kenny, I hope you're the lucky man. You're a nice kid and you deserve it. And now, folks... Happy New Year, everybody! Hiya, Buck! Hello, Andy! Happy New Year! Say, Andy, I, I didn't think you were going to drop up here tonight. Well, Buck, I've been all around town looking for Paul. He ain't been home since New Year's Eve. Have you seen him? No, I haven't, Andy. I haven't. Well, he called Ma up about 2 o'clock this morning and said he was flying to Reno to get a divorce. A divorce? What did your Ma say? She said it was darn bad weather for flying. <laughs> oh, your Pa probably had one drink too many. He doesn't want a divorce. Well, he better go through with it. Ma just put her wedding ring in the bull's nose. <laughs> How, how does the bull feel about it? Oh, he's taking the cow to Niagara Falls. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's quite a romance your paw started. Some mix-up, huh? Say, Buck, I meant to tell you, I saw you the other night at the Coconut Grove. Yes, I saw you too, Andy, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you, you know. Uh, th that was a nice gal you were with. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what are you laughing at? Well, what's funny about it? Don't follow me out, you brunger. Well, it's a long story, and I'm not going all through that. 
Hey, Kenny, you better sing your song before Andy gets hysterical again. Okay, Jack. <laughs> sing, Kenny. You know, Andy, I've never seen you around with Miss America. I don't know... <laughs> sung by Kenny Baker, a young tenor who was starting out the new year in fine fettle. And now, folks... Well, Jack, what about all those distinguished guest stars you were going to introduce? Oh, yes, Donald, I forgot all about them, but I'll get around to it soon. You better hurry up. One of them walked out. Let them go. What's the difference? Sure. What do you care? Certainly. Why should I worry? Wait till you look for your overcoat. <laughs> oh. Oh! Oh! <laughs> My life. I had my lunch in the inside pocket there. Anyway, before I introduce these stars, I have a big surprise for you fellas. I mean, the members of our cast. So listen carefully. Next Sunday night, we are going to do our broadcast from San Francisco. San Francisco? Gee, they didn't know it. <laughs> yes, and we're all... 
And we're all going up there. We have a lot of friends up north, and we're sure to have a swell time. Say, Jack, I know a couple of cute babies up there you and I can step out with. Oh, no, Phil. I'll do all right. I can find my own dates in San Francisco, can't I, Mary? You couldn't find a date in a fruit salad. <laughs> That's so. Well, just for that, don't ask me to take you out any place while we're up there. If things get that bad, Livingston's slipping. <laughs> a, fine, a fine remark to make. Now, is everything clear, fellas? We'll all be up in San Francisco next Sunday. And now, folks... Oh, darn these interruptions. Answer the phone, Mary. Hello? This is Rochester. I'd like to talk to Mr. Benny. Okay. Jack, it's your butler. Oh. Oh, hello. Uh, what is it, Rochester? What time are we leaving for San Francisco? Well, we're going to drive up bright and early tomorrow morning. We'll leave about 5 a.m. If you want me to go, you better make that 7. <laughs> Listen, you'll, you'll go when I go. And we're going to drive up there in my Maxwell. So put on that chauffeur's uniform I bought you. You mean those gloves? <laughs> yeah. Say, how are you coming along with the packing? Fine. I put in your sport coat, your brown suit, and your gray suit. That's good. Now pack my blue suit, too. Oh, you don't want that. I said pack it. All right, but I'm going to have trouble getting it off your father. <laughs> Oh, yes, I... I forgot about that. Well, all right, Rochester, I'll see you later. Uh, say, uh, were there any calls? Yeah, some girl by the name of Dolores keeps calling up here in five minutes. But I don't think it's for you. Why not? She keeps asking for lovey-dovey. <laughs> That's me. I mean, tell her I've gone out of town, will you? Now, finish packing, and I'll see you later. Goodbye, Rochester. Toodaloo. Well, I guess that settles that. Oh, Don, how about our guest stars? Are they still here? Yeah, but a couple of them are sound asleep. Well, wake them up, Phil. We'll call on them right after the next number.
Lady is a Tramp from Babes in Arms, played by Phil Harris and his orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we are finally going to present the guest stars you have been waiting for. Each one has a distinct message for you and you and you. Say, Buck, I think I better run along. I gotta find Paul. Oh, stick around, Andy. He'll show up. Okay, but I'm getting worried. Don't worry. Now, folks, as you all know, one of the most interesting subjects under discussion in 1937 was the preparation for that famous picture, Gone with the Wind, which up to the present time has not been completely cast. So tonight we have with us the only woman in the city of Los Angeles who has not been tested for the part of Scarlett O'Hara, <laughs> Miss Goldie Sponge. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Sponge. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> Now, Miss Sponge, tell me, are you a, a native of Los Angeles? I mean, uh, where is your hometown? You mean, where was I burned? <laughs> what was that? Was I it? say, you mean, where was I burned? Burned? Oh, born, yes, born. Were you born in Los Angeles? No. <laughs> oh, then uh, where were you born? In Pasadena. Oh, Pasadena, I see. Now tell us, Miss Sponge, how does it happen that you were not tested or tested <laughs> for the uh, for the part of uh, uh, how is it you weren't tested for the part of Scarlett O'Hara? Well, in the first place, I'm a lousy actress. <laughs> that I can see. Yes. <laughs> Were there any other reasons why you didn't get that opportunity? Yes, they didn't like my accent. I see. Is there any other reason? Ain't that a nurse? I think it is. Well, thank you, Miss Sponge. You may go now. Hey, where's that five burks? Oh, yes. Yeah, here you are. Thanks, jerk. <laughs> That, ladies and gentlemen, was our first outstanding personality. Mary, is our second guest star ready? Yes. That's good. And now, ladies and gentlemen... Say, Buck! Yes, Andy? I'm kind of worried. I better go out and look for Paul. Oh, take it easy, Andy. Where could you look for him? Do you think he might be in the police station? Not unless they got a floor show. <laughs> oh, well, don't worry. He'll get home. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our... Come in. Mr. Benny? Yes? Are you, are you looking for a distinguished personality tonight? Why, yes, I am. Well, if you need a bum, let me know. Goodbye. <laughs> well, I must keep him in mind. And now, folks... Oh, Jack, uh, put my guest star on next, will you? He's been waiting so long. Sure, Don, I'll be glad to. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce our next personality. A man who ate more jello in the year 1937 than anyone else on the North American continent. This man is 52 years old and has been eating Jell-O for 48 consecutive years and feels as young today as he did in his youth. None other than Mr. J. Rutherford Munch. Mr. Munch. Uh, now, Mr. Munch, was my statement correct? Uh, haven't you been eating Jell-O for the past 48 years? Yes, I have, Mr. Benny. Mm. <laughs> and you feel that our product has always been tempting and delicious? I consider Joe singularly distinct as to flavor and superlative as to quality. Well, thank you. And what is your occupation, Mr. Munch? I'm a truck driver. Oh. 
<laughs> I see. Uh, married, I presume. Oh, yes, yes. And, and I have three lovely children. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, thank you, Mr. Munch, for this grand testimonial. What did I promise you for coming up here tonight? A lollipop. <laughs> well, here it is. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, for our big surprise of the evening, a sensational scoop. As you all know, one of the outstanding events of 1937 was that historical flight of those three daring Russian aviators who in one heroic effort flew nonstop from Russia to California, a distance of 6,200 miles. What a thrilling adventure. What an amazing feat. What a contribution to the advancement of aviation. Am I right, folks? <laughs> the world will never forget those men. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, since we are unable to have these three Russian flyers here in person, we have instead the three Crocksmere sisters who will sing Swing is Here to Say. Sing it, boys. Swing is here to play. You can't deny it, so choose your partner and dance. And you'll find there's rhythm in romance. That's enough, girls. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough, girls. That's plenty. You can go back to Russia. That's plenty. That's enough. That's enough. I just wanted. I just wanted to know that our audience that we deliver the goods. Thank you, girls. Ah, folks, what a flight! What daring! What courage! What baloney! Quiet. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our last and most illustrious guest star of the evening. We have with us a man who on New Year's Eve was thrown out of more nightclubs than anyone in the state of California. Mr. Uh, pardon me, what's your name, sir? Just call me Playboy Divine. Divine? Why, Paul, I've been looking for you. Hello, Andy. Happy New Year. Well, I'll be darn good. Playbell. I can find it a delicious new dessert to start the new year right, and one that you'll want to serve often. It's Jell-O Cherry Pie, one of the most unusual and delicious of pies. Beautiful crimson cherry jello molded in a firm, crisply baked pie shell. And here's what you do. Dissolve one package of cherry jello and chill until slightly thickened. Then fold in two and a half cups of canned red cherries, drained and sweetened. Turn the mixture into a cold, baked pie shell and chill until firm. If you like, you may cover your pie with a topping of fluffy whipped cream. And there you have a pie that the whole family will enjoy and that's so easy to make. For anybody can make a Jell-O cherry pie and be sure of delicious results. Just be absolutely sure that you use genuine Jell-O. For only Jell-O brings you that luscious, extra-rich fruit flavor. So ask your grocer for genuine Jell-O tomorrow. This is 
the last number of the 14th program in the new Jell-O series, and we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time, broadcasting from San Francisco, California. And I'd like to welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those 24 Canadian stations that have been added to our network tonight. Happy New Year to you. Are you still with us? Hmm? Mary, uh, say hello to our 24 new stations. Hello, 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 hello. That's enough, hello, that's enough. Hello, Good night, hello, hello. Good night. Baker appears on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn Leroy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company.